0: Hello everyone that's listening to this, we've we shut down here at Booth Chapel for lack of heat, but realizing we have heat this morning, but nevertheless the message goes out through the podcast today as well. This morning I want to ask ourselves a question. We ask ourselves a question, we need to ask ourselves this question continuously, and those who are confused about their spirituality really, really need to ask themselves this question. That question is, am I saved? What a wonderful question to think about and to, and to ponder about when we dive into the Lord's scriptures and, and God's instruction for us to know that we can be saved today and we can be saved standing before him on Judgment Day. We think about our salvation. We think about our spiritual lives. And we also think about our status in the eyes of God. We think about our strength. We think about our weaknesses. Now, before, before we dive into the weaknesses, I want to think about our strengths, We learn something significant through through, uh, God's Word and we learn that we receive strength through Christ. For Philippians 4.13 tells us that we receive strength through Him and we can do all things, spiritually speaking. That's not saying that we can't walk on water or jump off a building and not be hurt. That's not what that verse is saying. That verse is saying we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, spiritually speaking. We can go out there, we can receive strength, We can receive those individuals who are lost. We can encourage them to come unto God through His Son and to have an opportunity of salvation to abide in His love in which manners we are. That's one of our strength as a child of God to have that strength, to have Christ abiding in us as we abide in His love. That's That's one verse that comes to mind, but that's not the verses that we're going to be talking about this morning. So as we dive in to... John, uh, excuse me, First John, chapter 5, verse 13, a strength, a, a, a wonderful blessing from God. And of course, John encourages those who are reading these words, and I'm going to read it to you this morning. I hope you have your Bibles and reading along with, uh, with me as I, as I dive in, as I read the scriptures. Therefore, you know, it's not my words, it's God's words. And I know I'm reading from the New King James, and it's a little bit different than the King James, I understand that. As we dive in, the meaning is the same. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. Let's look at verse 13. 13 is an encouragement to know that we can have everlasting life. The question I want you to ask yourself, are you saved? Now, before I go into the verse, that's either a yes or a no answer. That's neither maybe. That's, yes, well, I don't know. That's neither one of those. It's either a yes or a no, and only you can answer for yourself. Well, once I was I was baptized for the remission of sins when I was seven years old, or twelve years old, or or twenty two, or yesterday. Okay, you went to that act. What led you to that act of baptism for the remission of your sins? I want to stress that we're going to get into that in Acts chapter two. The idea of being re, re, uh, immersed or baptized for the remission of Sins, Because we do know that God hates sin. He will not be anywhere near anywhere near it. He won't be anywhere around it. So we think of Isaiah 59, 2. My mind goes to that, too. And write this down and you go look at it for yourself. To know that our sins and our iniquities separates us from God. And we can't get to Him without Jesus Christ in our hearts. And we're going to leave, read that again about one of our strengths. But look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things I have written to you. Now, this is John speaking. Notice what he says. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, this is Jesus Christ. This belief is an act. You might kind of look at me funny and says, What do you talk about an act? Well, I believe that there's a son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ is that Son of God he came to this earth and died. Okay, you may believe that. Guess who else believes? The demons also believe and they tremble. Belief has to have action with it. This belief here is an action because the demons don't have everlasting life. The demons don't have a hope of salvation. They're going to be condemned already. But yet they do believe that there's a son of God. Let's carry on to verse 13. That you may know that you have eternal life. Again, my question goes back to you. Are you saved? If I was supposed to ask my question myself that question, it would say, Well, am I saved? Well, I need to make sure that I that I can answer yes. Because if I'm not answering yes, it's a no answer. Again, there's no maybe, or I don't know, or I thought it was. No. John, here he says, these things that I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. we're going to stop there before we finish into that verse. Are you believing in the name of the Son of God? Are you believing in Jesus Christ with your everyday walks of life, Acts? I hope so. Because folks see us before they hear us. Our actions, again, they speak louder than words. We've heard that time and time again, and that is a direct reflection on our spirituality. Again, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here we see John, if we're believing in the name of the Son of God, if we're out there performing, abiding in his love, those acts that a child of God would perform. Keep in mind, whenever Christ says in John chapter 15 to know that we can excuse me to abide in his love is to keep his commandments are we keeping all of his commandments again that does not say by no means in john 15 if you keep some a few no it says to keep my commandments this refers all of them so now again i want to ask you ask yourself a question am i saved do i have the son of god abiding in my heart by keeping his commandments Again, we learn there in John 15 that if we keep his commandments, abide in his love, and we abide in God's love just as Jesus Christ himself abided in his Father's love by keeping his commandments, by being that faithful son, by being that faithful child, just as we should imitate Christ. Colossians, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 3, if I'm not mistaken. Let me get that right. Let me make sure I get that right. No, Ephesians chapter 4, excuse me, 5. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear dear children, as Paul instructs. So as we're imitating Christ, we're going to keep his commandments just as God, just as Christ himself kept his Father's commandments, right? So now, again, I want to ask you this question. Are you saved? It's either yes or no. Are you abiding in Christ? Or are you out there lost because there's either saved or there's lost? Christ told his disciples, soon to be apostles and those who are around him, of course, his disciples. He told them in John 8:32. He said something significant. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It'll set you free from your sins. So as you're standing before God on Judgment Day and you can be saved, this is exactly what John says here in John 5, verse 13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. We can use the Scriptures. We can read just in in John's letter here to encourage ourselves that we are saved so we can ask ourselves am i saved a strong note is going to say yes i know that i have everlasting life waiting for me but we need to be very careful who are we measuring ourselves up to are we using our guess because we can't be guessing when it comes to our spirituality when it comes to our salvation we have to know notice john does not say guess. It does not say guess in verse thirteen, that you may know that you have eternal life. Now let's look at let's look at a weakness here for a second. I know I'm focusing on strengths right now, but let's think about a weakness. Using our own knowledge, using our own earthly wisdom, to say, well, of course I'm saved. Your earthly wisdom will not save you on judgment day. It will not. By grace you have been saved through faith. That's God's grace through His Son. We access that grace through faithful obedience, not any way else. Revelations two ten again is writing to a church that's fixing to endure some serious persecution, where the de- where the demons are going to throw many folks into prison, and folks are going to die, and He tells them. Take courage, take encouragement from my words. Be ye faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He says not a crown of life, but the crown of life, folks, At salvation. So let's finish on in 1 John 5, verse 13. So these, these things I write to you who believe in the son, son of God, that's those performing those faithful acts in their everyday walk of life, to know if you're doing these things, you're abiding in His love, you have salvation waiting for you and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Being a Christian is a continuance. Huh? What do you mean it's a continuance? It's a strength, folks, to know that it is a faithful thing, and in the eyes of God, as his children is continuing in their spiritual walk. Not to say, well, okay, well, I was baptized for the remission of sins. I'm saved. And go about our everyday walk of life. Never to give God a second thought. That is not keeping Christ's commands. That is not doing the things God would have us to do. That is not. That's the opposite of what we should do. We should be faithful. Again, Revelation 2.10 says, Be ye faithful unto death. Not faithful for ten minutes after baptism. It's faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. Ah, that's a strength, right? We, we, we call a weakness about our... Own intentions our own wisdom not God's wisdom not his word but our own wisdom oh our own earthly wisdom it can't save us again you might say well wait a minute what do you, what do you mean to tell me about John 3:16 I was having a conversation with someone and they said John 3:16 covers me okay well let's look at John 316 so let's turn there with me to John get my bookmark to cooperate here with me John chapter 3, verse 16. You should know this verse by heart. And if you do not, I encourage this. It's a wonderful verse. But we also need to couple it with the second verse. from or The second verse following John 3 and verse 16. Well, John 3, 16. Many folks know this verse by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, folks, that belief... Is also an action. It's not just to say, "Well, okay, well, I believe that he's there." Again, the demons believe and tremble. So you might say in John 3:16, "Well, the blood of Christ covers me." We're going to get to that in, in, of time-constraining. The blood of Christ covers me. Again, this conversation a few days ago aroused this thought. We have to do something significant to access that blood, because a lot of folks out there just believe that there's a God. They they believe that he's he's out there, believe that Christ came. So you mean that belief won't save me? Continue on to verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through, oh, there's that word through, through him might be saved. Did you notice something? The word through. Do you know what the word through means? If, if there were folks in the auditorium except my wife this morning, I would ask them, what, how did you come into the audience? How did you come into the auditorium? Well, they said, we came through the door. So wait a minute, you, you came unto the door, right? And you walked through the door. You walked through the door to get into door. So we have to go through Christ to get to God. I agree with that statement. I agree with that 100%. John fourteen six, Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, he says, no one comes to the Father except through or by me. we got to go through Christ. says, so well, okay, the blood of Christ cleanses me, right? It, it, it does if you do something. It does if you do something. So turn with me again to Romans. Romans chapter 6. It's, it's hard to preach a sermon without referring to Romans chapter 6. Previous to this, the question was well, if there's so much grace that we learn that there's more grace in the world than there is sin. God has more grace than there will ever be sin in this world. Well, let's just, the thought come across, well, let's just help God out by sinning more. We're going we're to see these two verses here. And we're going to say we, we've died to sin. This is someone who's been baptized for the remission of their sins. And we're going to get to Galatians 3.27 after this thought here. Romans. Chapter six, verse one, the idea of helping God out because we learn this in verse 20 of chapter five, you get the context of this question. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more in verse 20. All right, so we verse, chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Huh? Wait a minute, God hates sin. He hates the disobedience in his eyes. Remember the flood? Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember all the New Testament examples? Uh, Ananias and Sapphira? All these things that caused the wrath of God, the disobedience, the sons of disobedience, they should be expecting the wrath of God in days past and through our learning. We understand the wrath of God. So we can't help grace. We can't Help grace to abound by sinning more. Because Paul nips it in the bud, as one particular individual would say. Romans 6 and verse 2. Again, verse 1 was a question. How shall we say, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says he screams, certainly not. He doesn't just say it, he screams it out. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So we died to sin. We were immersed for the remission of sins. We died to it. Repentance should have happened. If it did not happen, that question I asked you to ask yourself, are you saved? If repentance has not happened, that is a no answer. I'm going to let that sink in for a few minutes. Without repentance, you're lost. Without baptism, you're lost. Without faithful obedience to God's word, you're lost see a pattern disobedience God commands or wishes all men everywhere to come to repentance he commands it that's what he wishes he wishes every person he has ever created to not be lost but unfortunately we separate separate ourselves from God through our disobedient acts that sin that iniquity again read Isaiah 59 verse 2 so we learn in Romans 6 We died to sin. We can't can't participate in sin. We're no longer living in it. Because if we're living in sin, we're dead in sin. Dead in sin. Not dead to sin, but dead in sin. We're spiritually dead. Because we learn, also in Romans, I believe it's Romans chapter 8, if I'm not mistaken. Romans chapter 8. There it is, verse 6, Romans 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Again, a positive, but let's look at the negative side of this. The idea of abiding in sin, the idea of answering no. Am I saved? No, I am not. Let's think about that outcome. What's the worst you've ever been hurt? What's the worst kind of pain you have ever experienced? And then how long did it last? I've endured some pretty good pain before in my life. It didn't last that long. Compared to eternity, it didn't last that long. Now when I say eternity, it's it's kind of hard for our human minds to fathom forever. That's what eternity means, is forever. So when we think about suffering, we think about that pain endured forever. Well, there's no end, there's no comfort, there's no nothing but pain and suffering. The absence of God, I will add, by the way, it's a lake of fire. Revelation has described it as, well, Jesus described it as a lake of fire to John in Revelation. If I'm not mistaken, it's 10 in verse 20. Or 20 in verse 10, my dyslexia gets the best of me there. So we think about suffering forever wouldn't it be a whole lot better to stand before our Heavenly Father? And we're all going to stand before Him one day because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord and Christ is, God. Christ is Lord and God is His Father. But on that day, repentance is not available because the powers of the heavens are going to be shaken. In the twinkling of an eye, we will have to give an account of all the things we have done, whether good or bad. It'll be too late for repentance. So I want to ask yourself a question. That's the reason why I'm asking you to ask yourself that question. Am I saved? If it's no, let's make a change. Let's make something significant, some type of significant change in our life. And you know what that is? It's a spiritual awakening. Know what God would have you to do. Count the cost before you are Give it before you give your life over to him, because that's exactly what you're doing before you do this next act that we're going to read. I want us to count the cost. No, we have to give up several things in the world. We have to give up the world itself. Give up the ways of the world. Verse 3 of Romans chapter 6. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Newness of life. Not our old sinful person. Our new person. Now does that not exclude us from sinning? It does not. I believe we learn <clears throat> excuse me in Romans 3 and 23 it's just a page back if it's if am I Scriptures it is. Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that say? It means I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner just as much as you are. The difference is is justification. We get that justificating power of the blood of Christ. But we have to access it without this access that we just spoke about in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. It's baptism. We're baptized into his death. So what does that mean? That really that really does state it out clearly. It doesn't state it out to me clearly. What's Paul talking about? Okay. So let's turn back to 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. Well, we're going to get the context of that, but the note there in verse 7, 1 John chapter 1 starting verse 5 First John chapter one, verse five. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, oh, I'm a Christian. Let me stop right there. I'm a Christian and you behave nothing like Christ. The word Christian means to be Christ-like, right? If we, have fellowship, if we say we have fellowship with him, I'm a Christian and walk in darkness we're out there in the world using these horrible words, this filthiness coming out of our mouth, not loving those around us, not encouraging those individuals to come out of their sins, to love them enough just as Christ himself loved them. We lie and do not practice the truth. Huh, you know the outcome of a liar? Turn with me. Keep your finger there in in John chapter 1. Let's look at the outcome of a liar. Revelations 21.8 Here's a short list of the actions that will lead to everlasting death. Whoa, wait a minute. Everlasting death? Yes, we are talking about a weakness right now. The idea of everlasting punishment. John said in chapter 1 that if you have fellowship, to say we have fellowship with and walk in darkness. We, say we If we say that we're a Christian and out there in the world we look like the devil, we don't look anything like Christ, we look like the world, we lie. He says we lie. L-I-E. Alright? Revelations 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters. Now wait a minute, I'm pretty good until this point. And all liars, that does not say liars, does it say, and all liars. I want to express something very significantly. You might have your fun, you might have your jokes, you might have your little, little snippets of, oh, it's just a joke. Let's tell God that as we lie to folks, as we do not tell the truth, as we sway words to make it funny. That says all liars. All right, here we go shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death wow the second death. first death is us leaving this earth the second one is after judgment after we've confessed the things we have done well this instance in verse 8 as you are a liar as you call yourself a christian and don't behave like a christian as you are considered a liar in God's eyes through the pen of John, in 1 John chapter 1, Mm. the second death is going to overtake you. And my dyslexia has cleared up now previously. It was Revelations 20 and verse 10. I knew it was one of the two. It was Revelations 20 and 10 talking about the devil and the false prophets cast into that lake of fire. It was designed for the devil. Let's look at the works of the devil for a second. Let's look at the works of the devil a little bit longer than that because we need to recognize his works and stay away from them. He is the adversary of God. He is the orchestrator of sin. He is the author of death. Huh? He is. Without that trickery, (laughs) there's that word, trickery, without that deceptive tool he loves to use, telling you, Telling Eve that on that day you should not partake of that fruit. Surely you shall not die. God said you shall die on that day. And Eve looked at it said it was good for food. She partook of it just as God told him not to. And after that, everything changed. So now we see the outcome of being a liar. Verse 6 tells us we cannot do this. That is a weakness to say, well, I'm lost. I'm I'm condemned. I'm doomed to die. Verse 6, if we're saying that we're a Christian and don't behave like a child of God, if we're not imitating Christ as we should, we're lying and do not practice the truth. Verse 7, but a strength. Here we go. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, to answer, yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm out there performing those Christian acts that I should. Yes, I control my tongue. Yes, I slip up yes i sin yes i fall short but i do something significant we're going to cover that but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another this he is god if we walk in the light as he that's god himself is in the light now i'm not saying anybody is god i'm not saying anybody that in this day and age can equal to god but it's our mindset paul in romans 7 he said he hated to sin it was his will to not sin but guess what he's here john he's command commanding us to have that fellowship but it's a it's a question it's an opportunity but if 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 we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another do we have that fellowship with god that we should through his son i seriously hope so john 14 6 we can't get to god unless we're going through christ And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, you might say, well, there's your covering. Therefore, I'm covered. I believe and I've done these things. But yet to be baptized? Okay, here we go. Galatians 3 and verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You can't get to Christ without the washing of the sins away. Again, Christ being God, He being the God the Son, He hates sin just as much as God the Father does and the God the Holy Spirit. God hates sin. And He will have nothing to do with it without that washing away of your sin. Folks, baptism is not a washing of the flesh. It's not. It's not like jumping into the swimming pool. Yes, you are immersed. You're below the surface. You're complete, completely submerged in water. But that act of, saying jumping off the diving board into a swimming pool is not the act of baptism. It's an immersion, but not the context here in verse 27. 27 is a changed heart, a committed heart, ready to give their lives over to God, putting one foot in front of the other to the best of their ability to be obedient to God himself. Because listen to verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Do you know what the word faith means? It means to believe in something unseen with evidence with, with that you can prove with evidence. Now that's the layman's term or the cliff notes, if you will, of faith. It's a belief that God exists. It's a belief that he's faithful to fulfill his promise. Let's think about this real quick. Do you think that you can get to God without going through Christ? If you think you can, you make Christ a liar. John 14 6 says we have to go through him. I want to encourage something. I asked you to ask yourself a question at the beginning of this lesson. Am I saved? Yes, John 3.16 tells us that God gave his son to, so that the world might be saved, right? John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, verse sixteen has been twisted, it has been perverted, it has been misused, and taken completely out of context to say, "Well, God's going to save everybody." Sure, I believe that Christ is here. I'm sure I believe that there's a God. That belief is an act. Back this lesson up. You're going to realize that there is an act in believing in Christ. There is an act in believing in God. To add to that thought of believing and act, James chapter 2. We don't have enough time because I'm about to run out. James chapter 2, read it. Read it and study it and pay attention to what James is trying to teach us. He's teaching us that we can have a faith. That's where your demons also believe and tremble. But we can also have that dead faith. Let's not have that dead faith. Because if we do not have our works to back our faith up or go hand in hand working together to fit perfectly together or completely together, that word perfect there being complete, know this, without that act, when we ask ourselves, am I saved, don't be a liar and say, yes, I am, and not be saved. Make a correction because you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, depart from me, workers of iniquity. Again, my mind goes to Matthew chapter 7. Turn there with me real quick, and we're going to close. Not 27, Jeremy. Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. I use these verses often. I'm going to read them to you here again. Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven... Oh, wait a minute. Before I finish that thought, before I finish that verse, you mean to tell me that not everyone who calls upon the Lord, not everyone who believes, that's right, is going to be saved? that's exactly what Christ is saying. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the rest of verse 1. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, are we doing the will of God? Are we out there in the world performing just like 1 John chapter 1, verse 7? Couple this together, then they fit perfectly together. Are we behaving like a Christian? Do we have that fellowship? I seriously hope so. Previous to this, I said something significant. I said that we fall short. As we have been immersed, as we have been baptized for the remission of our sins, and that that does not mean that we're sinless. That does not mean that we're can go behave how we want to, we take that short walk with Satan. To be honest with ourselves, we do. We sin, we fall short. We have a way out. Because if you've taken that short walk with Satan and if you've took, turned your back on God, that question I had you to ask, you would have to answer, Well, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm condemned, I'm lost because I'm abiding in sin. I've sinned willfully. Oh, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins for that thought or for that act, excuse me. That's Hebrews 10 verse 26. I know your pages is flying all over the place. But turn back over with me to 1 John. Oh, not Peter, 1 John. I lost my bookmark. I pulled it out. I shouldn't have. <clears throat> 1 John chapter 1. Come on, pages. No, they don't work right. Here we go. 1 John chapter 1. Verse eight, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in it. You will never hear me say that we do not sin ever, never. Because we sin, we fall short. None of us are Christ, not one of us. There was only one. He was that perfect sin-free sacrifice for us, for those who need his blood, those who need that transition from being lost to saved. That question from go from no to yes. Here we go. If you took a next short walk with Satan, here's your out. Here's your second off pardon, if you will. If we confess our sins, this is wrote to Christians. This is wrote to those who have been baptized for the remission of sins. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? To know we have a loving God who's patient enough on us to wait for us to come back. Remember the prodigal son? That father, he was ready to come back. Here we see a shadowance of that or an addition to that, a couple it together with the prodigal son. Confess our sins. He made up his mind. He came back to his father and his father forgave him. God will forgive us today. Again, ask yourself this question in the closing of this sermon. Are you saved? Is either a yes or a no? If you have answered yes, honestly and truthfully, not to say that we have that fellowship with him and walk in darkness, because again, God is not darkness. He is light. We need to be children of light. We need to be imitators of Christ. We must do so. So if you honestly and inwardly answer, I'm lost. I need to make a change. Being saved sounds so much better than, than being lost. Of course it does. God doesn't wish anyone to be condemned, but unfortunately his righteous judgment is going to have to condemn folks. Again, Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, 23 says, and then I will declare unto them that day, for depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. That's being lost on Judgment Day. We have an opportunity today to answer yes. To answer yes, I am saved. To not Standing before God, I didn't have an opportunity. You did, you do this morning. His word encourages to not be lost standing before him. So why, oh why, will we stand before God on judgment day, because it is happening, being lost? Let's turn away from our sins. Let's no longer sin anymore. Let's confess our sins. Let's be immersed, washing our sins away. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness and cleanses us from all sin. Let's not tarry. Let's not wait. Let's not take another step in the direction away from God towards Satan. Let's turn around. Let's come back. I seriously hope that if, if that needs to happen in your life and you answer no and you're encouraged to say yes, I need to go from answering that no and honestly no to a yes and honestly yes. Does that need to happen now? Don't wait, because we don't know when Christ is coming. We don't know when his second return comes. And again, that time where the powers of the heaven will be shaken and the opportunity of repentance will be gone. So my encouragement, don't take another step, walking hand in hand, step for step with Satan. Tell Satan you want nothing to do with him, and come to God. I hope this word encourages you. I hope it gives you encouragement to ask yourself that question daily. Not just once, not just in the adherence of this message but daily. Am I saved? If correction needs to happen, dive into the scriptures. You're going to understand what God would have you to do, and that's to turn away from our sins and turn back to him. Thank you very much for your time and your patience.